Almost 10 years ago, I left a corporate career that just wasn't giving me the professional or personal life that I wanted. I was burnt out, disengaged, and feeling sick and tired of having no control over my schedule and feeling like there were always limits on what I could accomplish. So I started a consulting business. I had no idea what was in store for me, but by taking that leap, I created a new path to professional success significantly more income, and a personal life with so much flexibility, family time, and lots of travel. And I don't think I'll ever look back. So many of you have heard my story and asked me if you should jump into consulting. It's not a simple yes or no, so I've created a short quiz to help you figure out if consulting is right for you. If you're wondering if consulting might be the next right step for you, go ahead and take two minutes to take the quiz at theclaritywizard.com forward slash quiz and discover if now is the right time to move from employee to entrepreneur. Hello, and welcome to the Fork in the Road podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Guzman Galloway. And on this season two, we are talking to experts who help us move past this fork in the road and into the next phase of our journey. On this episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, and she's giving us nothing but gold. We had such a good conversation on finding what you really want to do with your career. She talks about tuning into and listening to yourself, looking back past your career to help you find your zone of genius keeping wild ideas and interests on the table for just a little bit longer and giving yourself permission to test drive new opportunities. This is an episode where you're going to want to take some notes. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for being here, Carol. I'm really excited for our audience to get to hear from you. I'd love to just start maybe with a quick introduction of you and kind of your background and the things that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I work with high achieving women at midlife who I always joke say have climbed ladder of success only to realize they've climbed the wrong one. And they're looking to do more meaningful and impactful work at this time and place in their life and career. And I help them, you know, fine tune that, find their voice and find their right path and direction to step into that. I started my career as a labor and employment attorney. And specifically, I did employment discrimination litigation for several years in Chicago and uh, then moved into organizational consulting where I coached anywhere from CEOs to new supervisors and people stepping into leadership and did team development, work group development. And that transitioned a little bit more, particularly after I finished my dissertation, into doing a lot of diversity development in corporations and helping them really understand what it means to have an inclusive community and to think about their practices and how they're impacting people of all backgrounds within their organizations. And then after I finished my doctorate, I moved into academia and taught, became an associate professor and taught leadership and taught other courses, supervised doctoral students and moved into academic leadership and became not only directing graduate programs, but an associate dean. And so from there, around the time that I was about to turn 50 on the precipice of my 50th birthday, I thought, you know, I want to do my own business. In between there, I had been a director of HR, did some other things as well. 
But I really felt a calling myself at 50 that I really wanted to do something different with my life. And so I transitioned out of that, left my career and started my practice, you know, really helping women do career strategy, find their voice through personal branding and a lot of mindset coaching and a lot of mindset work to help them find the confidence to step into what they want to do next. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) It sounds like you went through your own fork in the road in that moment where you decided to pivot, which I love. So you can certainly relate with the audience and where they are. And what we're talking about today, we decided on our topic for today's discussion is really helping us understand what are ways that can help me find my calling, really find not just my calling, but literally what do I want to do? Do I want to stay in this job? Do I want to become a teacher? Do I want to be a stay-at-home mom? Do I want to start making candles? Like literally, what do I want to do? (laughs) And I think the first place I want to start in that is how do I know that I need to start thinking about that, that it's time for a pivot, that it's not enough to say, oh, I need a raise or I need a promotion, or maybe I just Mm -hmm. need a few different projects. No, no. Like you're ready for something else. How do I know that? Yeah, that's a great question. And what I have found over the years of doing this work is that most women have like a whisper. There's something intuitively inside of them that is screaming and crying out this nagging feeling, this discomfort, this unsettling that nothing feels it. And so what we have to learn to do is start listening to that because, you know, I always use the analogy, I was in a car accident and this actually was like my pivot, how I really started listening to myself. I was in a car accident a lot of years ago and it was a near fatal car accident. And I was coming home on a two lane road and a drunk driver was coming down the two lane road in my direction. And I saw lights coming at me and I heard someone say, as if they were sitting in the car with me, say, turn now. But at the time, the two options were either to go off the side of the hill or to go into oncoming traffic or the side of the hill. You know, so either option didn't seem desirable, but the voice was like, turn now. And so I did turn, I turned into the oncoming traffic. And luckily I did that because if the car hit me head on, I wouldn't be here. It hit the passenger side, which caved in and kind of broke the side of my body. And I had a long recovery and and all that, but that's not the point. But what I learned from that, what's nagged me and stuck with me for, you know, the years of recovery after that was that that voice turn now is I think the same voice that we hear when we are at a crossroads, that we're at a place that the road that we're heading is just, we know it's not going to lead us where we want to go. And the reason why I think we don't listen to that voice, we don't listen to it, or what we do is we try to fill it with things. We try to do actions. Well, like maybe I need a promotion. Or maybe I need another job, or maybe I should, you know, change departments. Like we try to fill it with something because we don't take the time to sit back and listen to what that voice is telling us. And I think we do that because the option, just like we were saying, well, what if I want to be a candle maker or I want to be a baker or things of that nature? The options seem so crazy. And we don't know what's on the other side of those options. And because we don't know what's on the other side of choosing A or B. And because A or B don't seem overly desirable, we just stay the course. We quiet the voice, we ignore the voice, and we just keep going. But for me, I mean, metaphorically, like literally, I would not be here. I would have died had I stayed the course. But I think metaphorically, so many of us die spiritually, emotionally, because we just stay the course, because we're afraid of what's on the other side of the other option. 
but you know it because there's something in you that is saying, turn now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what would be your advice for how do I tune into that voice and listen? Like, do I need to meditate? Like, what should I do? Listen in the shower? Like, what? how do I tune into this? And listen to the whispers, right? Which famously Oprah talks about the whispers all the time. It turns into something that eventually the whole house is collapsing on your head because you weren't paying attention. How do I tune in? Yeah, absolutely. The way to tune in is to not engage in action. Like intuitively, our brains and our training has told us that I need to go out and do something. I need to go and update my resume, go do this, go do that. And so intuitively, we think we have to step into action. But really, what we need to do is to stay quiet and start listening to that voice. Is to ask ourselves, well, if I were to make the turn, what would it be? Why do I want to make a turn? Why do I want to do something different? What would I want to do that's different? It's almost like going back and engaging in that childhood curiosity that when people asked us when we were five, what we wanted to do, and we had like a million answers. But as we become adults, we immediately discount things because we like, oh, we can't do that or I can't do that. And we have to stop judging and trying to solve the answer immediately and step back and just ask ourselves the question, what do I want to do? And literally, that is what I did. I asked myself that question. And what's fascinating to me is that most women do not ask themselves that question. What we ask ourselves is, how much can I get paid? What job's available? What should my resume look like? Can I get promoted? Does this industry make money? You know, what's going to happen to my kids? Like we ask all these other questions, but what we don't ask ourselves is what do I really want to do? And listening intuitively to that, not judging the answers, not throwing out the answers saying, oh, it's impossible. And also not jumping 10 steps ahead. Even if I were to say I wanted to be an astronaut, Not saying, well, that's crazy, but just leave it on the table for a moment. Allow just everything to come up and let it sit on the table for a moment without thinking about how is it going to happen or how it's not going to happen to really help yourself to tap into that internal wisdom that you have been ignoring and blocking for a lot of years. So it sounds simple, but it's a lot of work. It's more complicated than it actually sounds, right? You know, but to ask yourself, what do I really want? Putting it out on the table and just listening to, you know, tapping back into what are the things that I love to do? Those things that I used to do when I was younger, like why somebody always asked me for my opinion or always asked me to step into leadership or I was always inquisitive person. And so what is it about that? I'm a problem solver. I've always loved to solve problems. Like just really start listening to all of the things intuitively and internally that we know to be true that we've ignored or discounted and bringing all that back on the table so that we can take a sober look at what it is that we could potentially do in the world. Hmm. I think you alluded to this. We're uncomfortable doing that. And I'll speak for myself because... We find ourselves going to places that feel really uncomfortable or feeling like these things are so, why indulge in that? Why should I indulge in being an astronaut where that's just not going to happen? It feels so far out. What is the value and how do I leverage that indulgence of something wild, something that sparks something in me? Clearly, I'm excited about the idea of being an astronaut. And even though I'm not actually going to do it, how do I leverage that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. The reason I think it's important to leave it on the table is that what you may discover is that it's not the astronaut that you want to become, but if just by having it on the table and exploring it, you may discover that really you want to engage in scientific problem solving. 
that can then turn into something completely different. It may not lead you to the astronaut position, but it may lead you to something that you never even thought of, that you would never have thought of had astronaut not been on the table to begin with. Right. So that's the thing is that what we tend to do is we see astronaut and we're like, no, we immediately like that's impossible. There's no way I can't right, do. You know? right. And so we immediately go into the judgment and scratching things off the list. But just by leaving them on the table and then asking yourself, what is it about being an astronaut that excites me? Right. Then we start seeing, well, maybe it's that you love science and you love the thrill or you love exploring the unknown or that you really love innovation that you want to be a part of something that's bigger than what it is that you're doing, that you want to contribute on a greater scale, that you, you know, want to work in a a NASA type environment, right? You know, so even just by putting astronaut on the table, you see all these other things come up that could ultimately lead you to something completely different and something you've never thought of. Mm -hmm. Several of the women that I've worked with, you know, once we go through that process, have stepped into careers that they never even thought was possible. It never occurred to them that that could be what they could potentially do or even what they wanted to do. But when we pull back, the thing that we tend to do is look at titles. And so we look at a title and then we swipe left or right or whatever the app is Mm -hmm. (laughs) and say, we can't do that. But the truth is we have to get rid of looking at the title and look at what's the work that you want to do. What's your zone of genius? You know, what are the gifts that you have? that you want to lean more into, do more of, and explore more. And really first understanding what those gifts are, because a lot of us have disconnected or disfranchised some of our gifts because either they didn't serve us in our current career or somebody told us they were unnecessary. So we have to start rechanging the narrative, listening to our own voice, you know, blocking out other well-meaning ideas that people may have and start really tapping into the wisdom that's internally within and asking ourselves these questions and exploring things. And what we have to do, what I always say is get rid of the treachery of the how, (laughs) because how will kill you every time. Because as soon as you put something on the table, your first question is, well, how can I make that happen? But we have to suspend it for a moment to allow ourselves to get to the truth of what's possible for us Mm -hmm. in our careers. Yeah, I love that. I want to latch on to something you said, which was trying to understand our zone of genius. Can you first just explain to us what do you mean by a zone of genius? Yeah. So for me, I tend to borrow from Gay Hendricks' work from The Big Leap when he talks about the four zones that we could be in, the zone of incompetence, competence, excellence, and genius. And so for me, the zone of genius is work that you are innately gifted at skills, talents, and gifts that you have way before you got the degrees and the certifications and the like. But not only do you have these gifts, but you love to do them. They come naturally and you love to do them. Unlike the zone of excellence, which is what most people live in, are the skills and abilities that we know how to do, but we may not necessarily love them. They may not necessarily inspire us. We may struggle with doing them. We may have learned how to do something, but it's not our favorite thing. And, you know, you know, we may have gone into accounting, for example, just because we're good at numbers, but do we really want to be an accountant? No, but we know it. So why not do it? Or even for my example, I know how to be a lawyer, but I realized very early on that is not my place where I want to be. I wasn't happy. I didn't like the industry. I didn't like the field. I didn't like the way I was working. I didn't like who I was in that industry and in that field. And so while I could have that zone of excellence and be a lawyer and make money, 
my zone of genius is really teaching, coaching, mentoring, inspiring, and supporting, which is very different from what law is. And so for me, that's the difference. So your zone of genius are those natural innate gifts that you have that you love doing and that comes so naturally to you that it's like butter. Yeah. I came into the zone of genius similarly through The Big Leap, which I highly recommend to those listening. And what I have found, and I came into it only maybe four or five years ago, maybe less than that even. But what I have found interesting is that I seem to continue to learn more and more about what my zone of genius is. And that I read the book and this is what I think I know my zone of genius is. And as of late in the last year or two of my career, I'm finding my ways just because the universe is taking me there into new opportunities that are very different from what I was doing before. And as I find myself in these new experiences, I'm realizing, hey, it's not so much that my zone of genius is changing, but that I'm able to really articulate it in a much better way because I think the box of my career is no longer there. Mm -hmm. But I wish I could have figured that out 10 years ago, right? Today, I talk about my zone of genius is helping people get clarity. You've got a problem. I can help you figure out how to get through that problem. Hence the fork in the road. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that 10 years ago. I didn't know that three years ago. I was talking about strategy and making choices, which all were components of what was a bigger thing. How can we help these listeners get to their zone of genius faster than it took me? Yeah, that's a great question. And it is not an overnight proposition. And I do not believe that it's a matter of sitting down for an hour or two and voila, you have unfolded your zone of genius. And the reason that I believe it is not just an overnight proposition is because we've buried it so deeply and we're so used to speaking corporate speak or you know, certain vernacular and words that we have been living in for so long that it really takes time to unravel and to get to the heart of what it is that you're doing. You know, we are asking, I know with my clients, I'm asking them to think in a completely different way than we've been trained to think. And particularly if you're at midlife, you have been embodying this way of being for 20 years. So to stop and not look at your degree, or like you said, you know, I'm a strategist and all of the things that we have been fed that we're good at to say, no, I'm actually good at solving problems, giving people clarity, you know, creating a path of learning, you know, to speak that way feels odd. And so it's hard for us to get to not only that zone of genius, but to see it as a good thing. Like when I work with women who've discovered their zone of genius, they think that really that old thing doesn't everybody know how to that's not important. We discount our zone of genius as unimportant because society has told us that these things are more important. And so it takes a moment for us to lean in and feel confident that this is a talent, a skill that can be leveraged and utilized in a multitude of ways. So it really is a mindset shift that has to take place with it. Because even though, and here's the thing that I think is true. I think you probably knew your zone of genius way back when. You probably didn't have a name for it, but I think you knew it, but you probably discounted it as not as important as maybe some of the other ones. And I think that's what people do. That's why it takes longer to get there, not because you don't know it or see it, but because you don't acknowledge it as significant and brilliant and valuable. 
And so once you shift your mindset that everything you bring to the table, irregardless of the degrees, the certifications, the years of experience, the titles, and all this external stuff that we use to validate our significance, once we put that to the side and start seeing our internal validation and the things that we naturally are gifted at as just as powerful, just as important, and just as significant, when we can see that is when we can tap into our zone of genius. Now, some people get there quicker than others, but for others, it really is the shift in their mindset, a shift in the narrative of what they believe equals success, valid, you know, important skills. You know, people, we still look at skill sets in terms of a marketable thing. Like, what can I get paid to do this? Right. And so because we equate a skill with a dollar amount, if we say problem solving, we're like, well, how can I get paid for problem solving? That's where our mind goes. But we don't realize that in most, to be an astronaut, you got to solve a problem, right? (laughs) You know, to really do anything major, there's some fundamental skills that you do have, which opens up the opportunity for you to do so much more than the one that you're trying to exchange a skill for a dollar value for. Yeah, I can see that so clearly in myself as you're articulating it. I can absolutely see it, right? Where 10 years ago or nine years ago when I started my consultancy, what I was talking about was helping you make strategic choices, which is a fancy way of trying to sell giving you clarity because ultimately that's what strategic planning in an organization is. That's all that strategic planning is. It's saying, understanding information, making a choice. I'm very clear about what I'm doing now. There's no clutter in my brain, but saying that I'm here to offer clarity did not feel, would not have felt, I don't know if I got to those words, but even if I had, it would not have felt valuable enough. I think the difference now for me is that I have my hand as an entrepreneur, I have the privilege to have my hand in a number of different activities that each are slightly different from each other. They're still in the same universe, but they're a little bit different. They all pull from the same 20 years strengths that I have in my career, but they're a little bit different from each other enough that I can see a different product of my clarity strength. Mm-hmm. And that I can bundle them all up together and say, look, all of these pieces, if I add them all up, they actually get me to clarity. But previously, I only had one output, one example, which was my career. And so I wonder if there's a role for me to, I think this exercise, if I've done it in the past or I've even thought to do it in the past, I would put blinders on to only my career, what I do in the office, what I do at work. This is how I think about my zone of genius. But if I had stopped and sort of broadened my view and thought about how I engage in the PTA or how I help my cousins think about their own entrepreneurial paths or how I help my teenager navigate, you know, band or whatever, I might've been more in tune, I think, to this idea. Ready to ditch corporate and find fulfillment as your own boss? You may be considering or even dreaming of ditching that life-sucking job and doing your own thing as a consultant. But right now, it still feels like a huge leap and you aren't sure where to begin. You can keep considering and dreaming, but if you're not professionally or personally fulfilled, then what are you waiting for? It's time to tap into the expertise and experience you already have with confidence and create your own consulting business where you can control your career, your income, and your time. Introducing From Corporate to Consultant, the Consultant Launch Course. 
Go from your corporate job to establishing a company, getting clients, and planning for growth in just six weeks. If you want to start consulting, you need to know how to start a business. This course gives you the exact roadmap you need to build your consulting business. Yes, you can spend hours and hours searching and finding answers in the black hole of the internet, trying to make sense of it all, or just figuring it out as you go but I have been there and I know it's a waste of time and money. So I've taken my almost 10 years of experience in building a consultancy of over 500,000 in revenue and put it into this course. With an easy to follow approach, this course will give you a strong foundation for your business and set you up with a clear plan for how to move forward. So you can focus on doing your best consulting work and getting results like the expert that you are. It's time to stop feeling stuck and start feeling in charge of your path. The sooner you get started, the sooner you can leave your nine to five behind and start taking control of your schedule, your finances, your legacy, and your life. Visit theclaritywizard.com forward slash course to get started today. So one of the exercises that I do with my clients, I call it a chunk of 10, right? And so I think people do something similar. They may call it something different, but that's what I have them do is to go back and look at chunk your life in like birth to 10, 11 to 20, 21 to 30, and ask yourself the questions. What was I doing? What was I enjoying? What were the achievements that I had? What were the significant events of my life? You know, what was happening, you know, just to really tap back into those events of our lives that we've completely forgot and then start looking for the through thread between them all. And that will help you to see what you already bring to the table. Listen, I am what I tease people and say I'm overeducated. Like I have every degree but an MD. (laughs) So I am not discounting education and those type of things, but they are not what make you special, valuable, and significant, right? It is what you already bring to the table that you then leverage through the credibility factors of those degrees in order to step into what you want to do. So I'm all for, I always get my clients, put that stuff on the shelf for a moment and let's tap back into what is true. And you'll start seeing that, oh, wait a minute. I always do this here. Like you said, at the PTA, I was the one who was getting people clear on what the direction of the next step was going to be. I was the one who, you know, in the school play had to stop everybody and get them all organized because da, 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 da. So when we go back and look at those things, it helps to foster more confidence in what it is that we do because we realize we've been doing it forever. And it's not just some new thing or some insignificant thing, but something that truly is what differentiates you and separates you from everybody else is the gift that while there may be 20,000 accountants out there, the way that you do it is going to be so different because of everything that you're bringing together. Even when I did this work, you know, for myself, when I looked at all the changes that I made in my career from lawyer to consultant to HR director to, you know, professor and the like, there was a through thread through everything. And for me, it was about teaching and empowering people to, you know, step into their highest level of self, to have their best possible experience. It usually was centered around organizational and work settings. It's what I've been doing for the last 30 years. Went back and looked at what was the really the thread that was running through everything that I did that was motivating me and inspiring me. Now I realized hindsight's always 2020. I thought law was the way to do it. 
that really wasn't the way I wanted to embody my genius. So I realized that's not the right place to do the work. But my purpose, my vision, what I wanted to do there is the same thing that I'm doing even today. And once I sat back and looked at that, that's when I was able to lean into, it's not the outer wrapping, it's not the law, the title, the whatever, it's the thing that I was doing in each role, or at least was desiring or wanting to do in each role. And wherever I was able to lean into my zone of genius more than the other, I realized those were the positions that I loved more than others because I'm like, so why did I love this and not this? Oh, because I was able to do more education, more empowering, more coaching, more teaching. Oh, here was more transactional. I don't like to do transactional work. I like to get deep. I like to connect. I like to build those kind of relationships to do something that's inspiring. And so I was able to like look at each position then and to realize, oh, here's where the zone of genius showed up. Here's where I was in my zone of excellence. Here is where I was just in my zone of competence. You know, I knew how to do it, but anybody could do it. And I don't want to live there. And that's really what helped me to do that dissect. So by going back and doing like a chunks of 10 by really dissecting what it is that you love, don't love about the things that you're doing and looking for those connections. You see that golden thread that would really point you to where you want to go. Then all of a sudden, astronaut may not be so crazy. Mm, right. <laughs> or even just working at NASA, right? Or even working at be, NASA. Totally. To right? Totally. To your point. Totally. Yeah. I'm very sad that I didn't have you 10 years ago. So <laughs> I'm sad I didn't have me. <laughs> that, yeah, and that's why I started doing this work because yeah. I'm like, where was this conversation? You know, when I would meet with people, when I would meet with career people and the first thing they shove in your face is either a personality test and a resume. It's like, these are the answers. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, where was this conversation? If someone just stopped me and said, Carol, what do you want to do? And mm. ignore everything else, but really tap into your own internal wisdom and knowledge and pull up what makes sense for you. Don't discount it, but just really sit with it and explore it and ask yourself why, like, what is it about it? I mean, that could have saved me a lot of money and time for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I love this conversation. I wonder how do I then separate what I definitely don't want to do? And this feels easier to tackle, but sometimes I think even back to your comment earlier, we get thrown off by titles or by salaries or stock options or whatever they're offering us. Right. How do I make sure that I'm not jumping on ship to something that ultimately is you know, in three months time, I'm going to say, oh, crap, what have I done? Yeah. You know, part of it is just really getting clarity around what you value and what's important to you. In fact, there's, I have, I will have my clients like rank things, like and go back and forth. Like if I was able to, to see which is more important, is it location? Is it money? Is it the work? Is it money? Like if you got to do this work, but made this much money, like what would be a precedent for you? You know, what would be your preference rather? Would it be the work or the money? Like you really have to start asking yourselves what's more important. Sometimes what we don't love is more easier to tap into than what we don't, but we really have to start dissecting what it is that we don't love right? Because we may think that we don't like presenting and it may not be the presenting itself. It may be the PowerPoint slides that we have to put together in order to present. Maybe we just want to free flow and talk at the top of our head, but we have to pull this data and get these stats together and create this PowerPoint before we can present. And we realize it's, that's the thing we don't love. It's not the presenting. And so what we have to do is to ask ourselves, you know, what I call the five whys, which is if you say you don't like something, ask yourself why. And then when you answer that question, ask yourself why. When you answer that question, ask yourself why. 
somewhere around the fifth why is you get to the bottom line truth of what it is you really don't like about it, Mm. right? You know, you may have had a bad experience with a boss and you think you don't like something, but it's just because the way it was engaged the way you engage that work at a particular organization is why you thought you didn't like it, but you may do it over here and actually be able to do it in a way that you love. Mm-hmm. So you have to start digging in deeper. Like a lot of our answers are buried deep within us that we have suppressed for a long time. But really ask yourself specifically when you say you don't like something, ask yourself why, mm-hmm. because there may be components of it that you don't like, not the whole kitchen caboodle, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We want to get clear about what specifically are the things that we dislike, right? What are specifically the things that, you know, aren't in our zone of genius, the things that either we struggle with or we don't jive with, you know, it could be, and it could be as simple as it's boring. You don't have to hate it. It could just be that it's boring or it's uninspiring, or it's really not allowing you to utilize your best gifts in a way that you want to, right? Because remember, Mm -hmm. just because you're good at it or you know how to do it, doesn't mean you love it. And to me, that's the crossover between your zone of genius is that you love it, Yeah. right? So we have to, just because you may not, you may not even hate something, but you just don't want to do it again. Another indicator to me is like, when I pop out of bed at three in the morning and do this. (laughs) Right, right. When I get up on a Sunday morning at three in the morning, because I just like can't even sleep because I'm I'm excited excited. to go do this. Mm -hmm. Right. And if the answer is no, that's probably, that's probably not the one. (laughs) Okay. So I know what my zone of genius is. I've been really clear about the things I really don't want versus the things I don't love, but I can tolerate. How do I take this and turn it into my next big thing? Because if I think about my zone of genius, I live in clarity and that's the value that I provide. Man, I could do a million things with that, right? There's just so much and so many places that I could take that. And I have the context of the career I'm in now, right? I have a universe. For me, it's consumer packaged goods. I lived in this universe. Currently, I could jump out of here. I could stay in here. How do I even start to think about how wide to cast the net on my opportunities? Yeah. You know, part of it is through the process that I like work with, I help the women create like a blueprint. So it becomes like clearer, like what's the industry, what's the place, who are the people, what's the location? Like, and so it answers all of these questions so that when you pull it together, when an opportunity comes your way, you can say yes or no to it. So it gives you the clarity, you know, to use your word, to be able to do that. But, you know, some of it also is just like really tapping into you know, your own wisdom in terms of what really makes sense for you, right? And so like, for example, if we were going to buy a pair of shoes, right? And ladies, I know, you you know, you're going to buy a pair of shoes. You're just going to wander in the store and be like, I'm looking for shoes. You know, you have in your mind, the color, the size, is it a pump? Is it a flat? Is it a sandal? You know, is it going to be a certain price point? What's the comfort value? How long you're going to be wearing it? Is this like a shoe for an occasion? Is it a long way? Like we have a list of things just to buy a pair of shoes. And we will go to 20 million shops before we settle on the shoe that we want. But when it comes to our careers, we kind of fall into this like, I just have no idea. And I think it's because the stakes are higher than a shoe. So that's why we do that. But out of fear of making the wrong choice, all of our wisdom leaves our mind. And we know we have certain criteria. So that's the first thing is to tap into that. But the other thing too, is to try things out. You can always, you don't have to jump 
from, I think I know what this is. So now I'm going to just put all my eggs in that basket and move that direction. I am a big proponent of like running what I call pilot studies or test driving, right? And so, and I'll give you an example of where I did that in my own career. When I was working, when I was deciding to leave law and I was working full-time as an associate counsel, I was thinking that maybe I wanted to go into mediation because I've always enjoyed mediation. I enjoyed it. I was good at it. I love, that's the thing that I didn't like about law was it was always adversarial, but mediation helped people come to solution together and people kind of left in a better place. So I thought I wanted mediation and I was thinking about maybe doing family mediation. So while I was working and I was exploring some of these options, I did an internship. I just, after hours and sometimes before I started working, I would just go for a few hours and just kind of sit in and with someone who was one of the top mediators in my area. And I would sit in on mediations. I would talk to her about mediation. I would just like get into her process. I just was put into that environment. And I learned after, I don't know, about three weeks that there was no way in hell (laughs) I wanted to do. (laughs) This was not the path, right? And so by me exploring and getting down to what I thought I wanted to do and doing a little test drive, a little test run, before I made a leap into something different, it was the best learning for me possible. And I realized that wasn't it. So I'm like, okay, let's scratch that off the list. I could have done other types of mediations, but I also realized, I think I was doing what I talked about before. I had the blinders on. I was in law, so I was going law adjacent as opposed to like really putting my foot outside of the law. And so that's when I thought, you know what? Let me go back to these other things that I was interested in that aren't law adjacent, you know, in terms of, you know, coaching and mentoring and training was how I ultimately moved into organizational consulting work, which is really what I wanted to do. I didn't know it. I didn't even know anything about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I ended up in a career and loving a career that was so aligned with my skill sets that I didn't even know existed just because I was trying a few things out. I was testing it out. And so I suggest that. So before you make the leap, try it out. Talk to people, do informational interviews, ask to sit in on something, you know, learn more about it before you make the leap if you're exploring multiple options and opportunities. I love that. I think what I want the listeners to walk away with is that you're giving them the permission to do that. Yes. I feel that I have the permission to do that because I own my own company and I control my schedule and I decide who gets my time. But when I was in corporate America and a lot of the women that I engage with now, I felt like I just wasn't able to do that because my job required 50 hours of me. And then I had kids and a household to take care of. And also want to spend time with my husband and I have friends and I want to have fun. And I just, I don't know how to fit in trying something else. And yet, if I think about everything we've been talking about so far, if this is important enough, I've got to be able to find the time. And I talk a lot about that where people reflect on my LinkedIn profile and the 27 things that I'm doing at any given time. And they're like, how could you possibly have time to do all of that? And my feedback is always, if it's important to me, I'll prioritize it. I find the time. I figure out what needs to be deprioritized. And I remember myself and know that it's true for some of our other listeners that we give up a lot of our time to these jobs because that's the way you do it. Not because someone's sitting there, in some cases they are. The majority of us, nobody's sitting there and saying, you need to be on from eight to nine every day and Saturday mornings as well, by the way. You're choosing to do that. You're setting that boundary yourself. 
And yes, you're getting some reward for it or some praise. And if now you start to pull back, there may be some backlash. Absolutely. I don't want to diminish that. But at the end of the day, you own it. You own your time. You own your day. And if this is important enough and you want to figure out what does it feel like to work at NASA, we've got to find the time to do that. And you are giving us permission. You are saying you have the permission to go and do that. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. And I just want to echo what you said about we have to shift the narrative that a lot of us work all of these hours because we think that's what we should do, not because someone asked. And so we've created a situation where they expect you to be there for 50 hours a week when we really could be there for 40, which you know, for what we got paid for. And we have more control than we think we do. And so absolutely, you have permission. Listen, I I was working for someone, you know, as associate counsel, I was not working for myself. Before I went to the office, I went after the office, and sometimes I went over the weekend. And you're right, we find the time for things that we want to do. Sure, most of us did a time audit for how we spent the last few days. We probably could find three or four hours where we could spend an hour talking to someone about a potential career that we want to go into. Mm -hmm. We like to create this narrative that we're so busy, but we do have control over our time. You know, so I always say time management really is a mindset management issue. But yes, you absolutely have permission to explore and you can find time either during your lunch. And I would tell, you know, my boss at the time, I'm like, listen, I'm leaving today at four. You know, I may be in tomorrow at a different time if I needed to make up. I have more control over my time and my schedule, Mm -hmm. admittedly. So I could set my hours in a sense. If I wanted to come in later one morning at 10 and stay later in the evening or something, I had that flexibility. I understand everyone does it, but you absolutely can find the time to do it. You know, there's lunch, there's before, there's after in the weekends. And I'm not telling you to take on a whole new job. I'm just saying, you know, carve out some time and some hours for you to get some familiarity with what it is you're thinking of going into so that you can make the most informed choice that you possibly can. Yeah, and I do want to, to your point, I do want to acknowledge that There is privilege in our lives that we were able to manage our schedules the way we can. And not everyone is in that position. You may be in an hourly job where you are trying to move past that and, and it doesn't work for you. So you just have to find the time elsewhere. I think there's still room to prioritize outside of work to find people to support you in the things that you are doing at home. And in your non-work hours to carve out this time, even for a short period of time, until you can find yourself in a place where you are happier. So I don't want to assume that. No, absolutely. And listen, got remarried, but before then I was a single mom. And so there's a few times I brought my little one with me. I'm like, listen, she'll be quiet. (laughs) We're good. (laughs) You know, you got to do what you have to do. So I was single. I was a single mom doing this and I would pick up my kid and my older son was able to, you know, be picked up by a relative, but the little one, I would have my little one with me sometimes when I was in those places. Yeah. And I think it's easier now, right? Post-pandemic or mid-pandemic oh, or whatever totally. we're in. We all recognize what that is. So, um, yeah. so I appreciate yeah. that. This conversation has been so, so valuable. I knew it when we first met that it was going to be <laughs> loaded with gold and you certainly paid off. Tell us how we can engage with you. Where can we find you and follow you and get your nuggets of wisdom? And if we want to work with you one-on-one, how do we do that? Oh, I love that. So my website is always a great place to land first. You can definitely find me on LinkedIn. So look me up, LinkedIn, Parker Walsh. But if you go Carol Parker Walsh and look me up on LinkedIn, I'm there. But my website, www.carolparkerwalsh.com is a great place to start. You can find all of my links. And if you want to work together, I invite you to, I have a free training. It's called the 10-Minute Career Jumpstart that kind of walks through a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. You can sign up for that and watch that training. 
And if you want to work together, you can join me in my flagship Career Rebel Academy, which is a great program. It's a container to really do all the things that we've been talking about on this call to really help women have the space and the time to be able to step into that next iteration of their career. And you can find all that information at www.carolparkerwalsh.com. Fantastic. I just can only imagine the value that comes out of working with you that way. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you again for chatting. And hopefully we'll do this again on another time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing. You're awesome, Kathy. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>